everyone. Welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Alrighty. Well, welcome everyone uh, to another night of Way of Life podcast. Uh, for those of you who are visiting for the first time, uh, my name is Matt. I normally take these conversations uh, with our guests. Um, and just so you guys know, if you're visiting for the first time, this isn't what we do every single week. So we do this once a week um, uh, through this kind of podcast platform. And what we, so kind of some of the thinking behind why we do this and why we call it Way of Life is that we see that each and every one of us, we, we pick a way of life. And the way we pick actually really matters. And the way that we end up living our lives, what we believe and what we don't believe, will actually really affect our day-to-day lives, where we spend our time, what we do, and so on and so forth. So we want to challenge everyone to think about that, because often we'll go along with the cultural narrative, often we'll go along with life and not really think about these deep questions. Um, So this is kind of a platform for us to discuss those kinds of things with uh, experts in their fields on, on a variety of different topics that we've done so far and our challenge to you guys is that we we challenge you to think but one of the things is that we we believe is that one of the best things you could ever discover and the the best way in life is Jesus himself he says in in the gospel of John that I am the way the truth and the life so we want to we want to challenge you guys uh, wherever you end up um, to, to, to really consider that. So tonight we've got Natasha Moore coming on the podcast and you can see her on the TV, um, which is good. Yeah, let's give her a hand. I don't know if she'll be able to hear it, but <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so Natasha, she works at uh, the Center for Public Christianity in Sydney uh, and is an author of the book that we're talking about tonight. But before we get into that, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so, so good to have you. Oh, thanks so much for asking me. <laughs> That's good. Um, how, how are you going? Um, how's things in Sydney? <laughs> Oh, they're just peachy, you know. <laughs> um, There's yeah, no like COVID there. Going super well. I'm yeah. okay. I yeah. um, you know, I'm a massive introvert, so lockdown is fairly okay for it's, me. Um, it's fine. But you know, do pray for us. We could be doing better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I was wondering just before we get into the talk for tonight. Um, wanted to know just a little bit of a two-minute lowdown on who you are. Uh, what occupies your time and how did you get to this kind of point in your life? Sure. Um, so I, as you said, work for this place called the Centre for Public Christianity, which means that I spend my time mostly kind of looking around at the culture that we're in and trying to understand it better. Um, so I spend time reading about stuff I'm interested in and then writing and speaking about stuff I'm interested in. So basically it's like the best job It's a ever. dream job there. Um, so I care about, you know, like what's going on faith-wise in our culture. We yep. live in this kind of secular culture. What does that mean? Yep. Um, and what does faith have to do with it? 
Uh, and yeah, so I kind of write for the ABC and SMH and, um, you know, uh, various uh, outlets. I write books. Um, I get to speak to students and teachers and churches and stuff all around the country. Um, and, you know, I, I, how did I get into that? Uh, yeah, good question. It was accidental. Um, <laughs> how do you accidentally kind of, go into that? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, I, um, I went over to the UK and I did a PhD in English literature because I love books. That's kind of who I am. Yep. I like reading. Nice. Um, I like novels uh, and stories. And I totally meant to be an academic. Um, I was going to teach and research literature. Um, and there aren't any jobs in that. Um, uh, and so I kind of was applying for jobs in that for a while. And then this job came up. Um, which as kind of a tiny little media organization that writes about uh, what Christianity has to do with our culture. Mm. Uh, it's like, it almost doesn't exist, my job outside of this one little organization. Wow. And so it was kind of my miracle job. It's but, so cool. Yeah. So I've been doing it for like seven years now. It's awesome. That's so good. I mean, I love what I do at, at, at Wyndham Baptist, but that sounds like a really cool job. I'd enjoy that. Um, so I wondered if you could tell us uh, a little, what, well, the title of your book firstly, and then kind of what's the, what's the premise of it and, and why, why did you write it? Mm. Um, I mean, I did just write a little book. I'll show you because um, I feel like it's particularly good for young people Great. called The Pleasures of Pessimism. Um, which is, you know, about how we're all apocaholics. We're all, we all love the, you know, the end of the world. Yeah. And we're pretty gloomy about where things are heading. But the one you're talking about is for the love of God, how the church is better and worse than you ever imagined. I'll lift that up because that's quite a mouthful. Um, so this one, um, I, soon after I started working at CPX, we, um, uh, we started work on this documentary by yeah. that title. You know, it's called For the Love of God, How the Church is Better and Worse Than You Ever Imagined. And the reason we wanted to make the documentary, like we talked about making one about kind of world religions, which is a really important topic. Like yeah. what, are the, what do people believe yep. um, and why? Uh, but we kind of, every time we wrote something for the media or, you know, went and spoke at an event or whatever, people would say things like, um, oh, you know, the Bible is full of like violence and mm. bigotry and Christians are so awful and the church has done so many terrible things. Like why, why should we even pay any attention to this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were like, okay, well, these are, these are the questions people are asking. Like yep. this is what we need to address yeah, yeah. Um, and to acknowledge and to actually kind of meet people where they're at. And so we decided we would make a big fat documentary about the best <laughs> and the worst of Christian history, um, of which there is plenty, um, and give yep. people a way to kind of process that. Like, what, yeah. do you, what do you do with that? Do you weigh the good against the bad? Is that so valid? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we made a documentary, which you can watch all the segments of for free on our website. Yeah, that's um, cool. On, you know, like Martin Luther King or on slavery or on witch hunts or crusades or whatever you <laughs> all the want cool to know things about. of history and yep. then afterwards we were like well you know i'm not a big i don't really watch documentaries that much um <laughs> but i really like books so it was like oh well i'm gonna write the book version so that's so cool that's so awesome that would have been great um 
Yeah, I've read your book and it's it's actually a really cool read. It's not too hard as well, which I which I really like. So, and I wrote down here that you share some statistics at the start of your book uh, of a poll done in 2017 uh, across 23 countries, and they found that 49% of adults uh, agree that religion does more harm than good in the world. And then the kind of next line in it, you, you quote another thing that in a, in a, um, uh, a survey in Australia said that 63% of Aussies are seemingly convinced that overall we would be better off without religion. And that's, that's talking about religion kind of as an umbrella kind of um, term and not specific to Christianity, but you do kind of talk about how a lot of that does apply to the to the Christian faith. This kind of distaste for it. So, but my kind of it's a huge question. So uh, answer it however you like. But my big question is, but why why is that percentage so high? Because like I'm I'm 29 and I can I can even remember a time when the Christian faith probably wasn't that much. Uh, I guess despised or, or not liked or, or thought that it's kind of useless and uh, my parents can remember a time when it was actually c- quite culturally accepted and it was actually a really good thing so why why the shift um, in that kind of thinking yeah it's a big question um, and it's incredibly complicated of course sure um, I mean there are some reasons that are really kind of uh, what you'd expect, I think. So, you know, the church used to have a lot more power um, in society. Um, it hasn't always used that power well. Um, and as that power has declined over time, as we've become a more kind of secular society, more people don't go to church um, mm. uh, or believe other things, uh, or at least it's it's completely socially acceptable not to go to church or not to be a Christian. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even <laughs> more acceptable not to than it is to yeah, go yeah. to church and be a Christian. Exactly. Um, it makes sense that people have kind of, um, you know, been more willing to question, well, hang on, does the church do good things? Do yeah. we like it? Yeah. Um, how do we feel about it? Um, I think we've become more... Uh, sensitized over the past few decades to particular wrongs in society and the way Mm. that particular groups have been treated and mistreated, um, including by the church. Um, So, you know, like to some extent, people have um, like started to criticize the church and see it as doing bad things because it has done bad things and Mm. like becoming aware of that means that people like those, a lot of those criticisms are valid. Yeah. there's been, you know, like early in the early 2000s, there was kind of a movement of what we call the new atheists, people like um, Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins, yeah, yeah. Um, who, you know, wrote these books like The God Delusion and God is Not Great and yep. were kind of these rallying um, people for like, actually religion is the problem with the world mm. um, and I'm going to just come out and say that and I think yep. that religion poisons everything. That's the Christopher Hitchens line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, we yeah, we'd be better off if that just went away. So I think mm. that was kind of a rallying point. I think that is actually, you know, some of those guys turned out to be kind of jerks and a lot oh, of atheists sure. are like, actually, I don't want to identify with them. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agree with uh, that. <laughs> in lots of ways. So I think that's kind of, you know, like that sort of hostility has passed over a little bit. But I think there's also, there's just been a shift within our culture away from more the, um, and I think we'll talk about this a bit more 
um, in a bit, but where people maybe used to ask, is this true? And be like, oh, Christianity, like what a guy rising from the dead and you believe in like some sky fairy and like I don't believe any of that. I don't think it's yeah, true. Yeah. People are more asking not so much is this true, but is it good? Mm. Like is it good for individuals? Is it good for society? Yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of publicity about some of the ways that it's been, you know, we haven't. Is it actually Christians been good? haven't lived up to their faith. And yeah, done, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's really rough, and uh, that's a good point. So I'm hoping we can to have a little bit of a conversation around some of the bad and some of the good and um, of Christianity throughout, I mean, even recently and throughout uh, Christian history. Before we do that, I wanted to get your thoughts on something, is that, and it's similar to what you're talking about uh, between what you what you feel. So I see in our culture that there is actually almost a shift away, like you just said, from kind of this is reason, this is logic, I don't want to believe in a sky fairy and all these different kind of things. As we've kind of shifted away from reason and logic to some degree as the primary way that we navigate what is true and what is false and how I should live and shouldn't live my life. And it now kind of seems to be more about um, like my psychology the psychological man and kind of expressive individualism of where what I, what I think and what I feel uh, inwardly is kind of more the markers and more the gauge of what is actually right and wrong in the world rather than um, real reason and logic. And therefore it seems that like, um, that reason and logic kind of complement what I feel rather than it used to be almost the other way around where your feelings, I guess in the 20th century, your feelings didn't really matter that much. Here's the hard facts, here's science and that kind of thing. So it's kind of this shift in my mind to what, okay, what I feel is what is true and I'm going to live that out. So I kind of, in saying that, firstly, do you think that's right? And secondly, if so, how do we have a conversation about the Christian faith when people feel so deeply about the wrong it's done? Mm. And, and what I mean is, is that is talking about the good and of the Christian faith um, in a more kind of here's the facts type way rather than this is what it feels like um, actually the right type of lens we should be taking. Mm. Yeah. Huge question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so firstly, like I care a lot about facts. Facts are really important. Yep. Um, uh, however people feel about them or not. Yep. Uh, but also, like I don't think that shift is um, a bad thing because facts, you know, are not everything and mm. actually they're always mediated to us by our emotions and our intuitions and the stories that we fit around them. Yeah. Um, and I think that the fact that we're acknowledging that more as a um, society is yeah. actually a good thing because it represents what we are as humans. So, you know, from a completely secular perspective on this, um, there's a fabulous book that um, you should all read called The Righteous Mind hmm. um, by a guy called Jonathan Haidt, who's not a Christian, not religious. Um, uh, he's a moral psychologist. Uh, it's called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. And he talks about psychology and how we arrive at our ideas of right and wrong. And mm. he's like, we tend to think that we are thinking machines, that like, 
I believe that these things are good and I believe in these things because um, I have thought it through carefully and arrived at these conclusions. Whereas actually, I mean, if you ever have an argument with someone yeah. about what's right or wrong on yeah. any topic, often you'll find, and like I definitely find, especially since reading his book that I do this, yeah. um, you discover that like, you know, you put forward an argument that you believe in and then someone else kind of goes, oh, but that doesn't make sense because of this. And instead of going, oh, you're right, I need to change my belief, what we tend to do is go, we regroup and we come up with a different reason why we believe in yeah, that thing. Yeah. Um, and then a different reason, a different reason, and we won't budge. Yeah. And Height says, actually, that's because intuitions come first and reasoning comes second. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it's like an elephant and a rider. Um, and that actually the elephant is the intuitions and it's like a lot bigger. Yeah. And the reason, the kind of the, the person riding the elephant yeah. um, is not nearly as strong yeah, or as yeah, big yeah. a deal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we kind of go, oh, no, that's terrible. Like reason should be in charge. But actually sometimes our intuitions are better than our reason. You know, I, I know people who I'd go, oh, I think that their beliefs about women, for example, are like not great, but actually they treat people better than their beliefs. Yeah. Like we don't always, you know. They don't um, always line up. Yeah. yeah. And so, so that's, you know, kind of one perspective that actually intuitions are a really important source. Mm. Our feelings um, and our instincts about the world yeah. um, are a really important source of knowledge um, and of living, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And then I think that's true for Christianity as well. Like it really matters that Jesus rose from the dead and that that's historical fact. And we need to kind of like I want to talk about that in a very yeah. logical way. But actually people believing that, that's not why they become Christians. Um, uh, like it's a reason and it's yeah. important to figure that out. Yeah, but sure. actually it's because it makes sense emotionally. There's, um, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, this yeah. is who I am, right? So I'm going to recommend books to you throughout. Go for it, go for it. Just how I do things. Yeah, So there's great. this English guy called um, Francis Buffett and he wrote a book called Unapologetic, Why Despite Everything Christianity Can Still Make Surprising Emotional Sense. Mm. Okay, so he's, and he is this amazing writer. He's a lot of fun. And he's like, actually, you know, we can argue about what's true and what's not, and that matters. Yeah. But Christianity fulfills deeply, satisfies deeply the emotional needs that we have. Yeah. I think it does that because it's true. Yeah. But also those are the questions people are asking that they should ask. They should be like, well, I have this deep sense of justice mm. of like what's right and wrong in the world and what should be done about it. Where yep. does that come from? Like, yeah, yeah. And that faith actually speaks to that. I have this deep need for belonging, yep. um, this deep need to feel like I matter, like I'm valued, mm. like I'm loved, yep. like all yep. of those things are met in Christianity, yep. um, in the gospel. Yep. Uh, and so I think that, it's a really good thing if people have kind of want to talk about feelings and emotions. Oh, for sure. Because they matter. Yeah, they do. Um, I feel like I haven't addressed everything there. Have I missed something from your question? Um, no, so it was uh, down the lines of, so if, I guess my follow-up question, which would answer the question is how do you navigate what feelings to trust? Um, and then how do you couple that with logic and, and reason, that type of thing? Mm. Um, and... I guess part of what I'm getting at is that if, it, if we believe that the Christian faith is true, um, then how do you uh, bring, I guess, the emotional aspect to it when you're talking to someone about Christ 
who might not really mm. care if it's true or not. They just want it to feel good. Yeah. I mean, I think rightly these things should be in conversation with each other, in dialogue with each other. So yep. we should go kind of back and forth between our intuitions and our reason and be like, okay, well, I feel deeply that this is right. Can I test that against the facts? Mm. And if the facts aren't fitting, why is that? Is that because yeah. those facts aren't right, actually? Or is it yeah. because my feelings need to change? Yeah. If we're genuinely wanting truth and we're genuinely wanting to know what's good, yeah. then, you know, I think God will actually help us out in that because yeah, he's sure. the God of truth yeah. and goodness and beauty. And yeah. he's going to kind of, he wants us to go further along um, that path. Uh, and I think, you know, as humans we're not brains on legs yep um we're you know we're, we're many other things <laughs> yeah people yeah. yep um and so i think particularly what we are is story making creatures like we see ourselves as in a particular story we have a particular story in our head about like well what is my life about and mm. what does it mean for my life to be good what what's my picture of the good life that i'm like aiming towards because yep. what what my heart's desiring yeah that's the direction I'm going to be headed in. Yeah. And so I think when we're talking to people about, you know, what we believe, whatever that is, I think a really um, uh, engaging and helpful way to do that is to talk, is to tell your own story. Yeah, because yeah. partly because, you know, people can't disagree with your story. You're like, here's my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's because good. we're really interested in stories. We're interested in each other's stories. Um, and that's kind of, that is a kind of evidence you know, yeah. being like, here's what's happened to me. Yeah. Um, if you're a Christian, then you'll be like, well, here's how I've kind of encountered God and yeah. like how that's changed my life. And that's really a way in for people, I think. Yeah, for sure. You could, uh, yeah, it's through narrative, through story, and then your experience of it that kind of addresses the feeling side. I'm trying, I'm not trying to separate them deliberately, but you can mm. kind of go, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, and this has been my experience. Like, what do you think about it? Kind of like start, mm -hmm. in my mind, what I'm trying to get at is that I almost, you almost need to, you need to do both. You need to help people feel, you have, need to help people and think about it too, rather than kind of just get caught back, like you said earlier, with like, oh no, I don't believe that, so I'm going to rewrite like how I got there. No, no, I just can't, I can't believe in that. Yeah. And just be like, actually, Jesus no. Jesus tells stories a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. Yeah. We should take note of that. Yeah, for sure. Because you want, in my mind, you want people to, and this is part of why we do this podcast, is that you want to help people think. You want to help them think about different topics and about Jesus critically and um, but on an emotional level as well. So that's really good. No. Um, and it's so I'm going to turn to your book a little bit now that we talked about that. So it seems that uh, a good part of your book is almost, like you said before, it's being honest about kind of the, the bad stuff in, in Christian history, um, which I, I really appreciate that you and, and the guys at CPX have, have done that. Um, I know for myself, I've talked to a bunch of people so far just before this podcast and they, they thought it was something that the church doesn't do very well it doesn't it kind of just goes ah oh, we're just gonna kind of ignore that and then we're gonna just look at the good and uh, i kind of get it it's uncomfortable but i really love that you do that um and you uh you talk about the crusades like holy war that type of thing that happened um uh very long time ago and in the inquisition you briefly talk about uh, the different kind of child abuse type stuff that's particularly come to light um in in recent history 
Um, and then like the church's power and wealth and you, you pick up on um, like indulgences, which is something I, I learnt a little bit about from uh, which is what gave birth to the Protestant church really uh, <laughs> is Martin Luther coming up against that. Um, but I have a question. I don't really I don't really see the need per se, uh, only what's necessary because I don't want it to be a history lesson. Um, but I wondered if you uh, are more curious about how you might handle, talking with someone about these wrongs that have happened in the past like how do you actually navigate when someone goes i don't want to be a christian because there's just been so many there's like the crusades there's so much violence in the name of christianity in the past and um i i kind of want to hone in on a few little topics if that's okay um but how would you how would you navigate that if someone's kind of talking to you about that yeah i think um when someone criticizes you like either you personally or like a group that you belong to and identify with Mm. our knee-jerk human reaction is a defensive one like to kind of go oh no you're wrong or like um you know to explain like oh it's not really like that or to like offer a different kind of um narrative against that Um, And I want to say that actually Christians of all people should be able to do something different from that. Um, You Mm. know, Christians are people who, you know, we're not Christians because we're good. We're Christians because we know that we're not good and that we we can't be good on our own. Like we need God's help. We need his grace and his forgiveness. And we're people who go to church every week and we confess that we've messed up and that we are messed up. Mm. Um, And, you know, so it should be not that hard. It should be kind of a habit for us to be able to go, actually, yeah, like, you know what? You're so right. Like there's so much crap there that Christians have done in the past. So I think with the violence, like, and often people don't know the history that well, right? And it's good to know it and to be able to have a conversation at some point about like, oh, well, okay, let's talk about how complex the Crusades or the Inquisitions or whatever are. Mm. But, you know, we don't have to like defend everything Christians have ever done (laughs) or people claiming to be Christians have ever done. We can be like, yeah, that was really awful and it upsets me as well. Yeah. Um, And I think if we can... That if we can respond that way and kind of agreeing with them and being yeah. like, yeah, really sucks. Yeah. Um, I think that opens up a conversation that isn't defensive and isn't kind of aggro. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's quite helpful. So I think where we want to get to, like the thing that we say in the documentary, our kind of big like governing idea yeah. um, is that, you know, we don't want to be like, oh, Christians did bad things, but they weren't real Christians or, you know, Christians did bad things, but also they did these good things. And so it doesn't matter about the bad things. We don't want to say those. Those aren't true. Um, What we do want to say is you go back to Jesus. Yep. He's the guy at the start of it all. Yep. Um, He's the one that Christians claim to follow. Yep. Um, And we use this um, metaphor of like uh, a composition, like a musical composition. Yeah. So you know, we, something like, uh, you know, Bach wrote these cello suites, which are kind of 
uh, a lot of people think are kind of the most beautiful piece ever written. Yeah. Um, and we have a guy playing it, you know, on the cello and playing it beautifully. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, my colleague John, who has loved these, this music for a long time. Um, uh, but Doesn't John, he you know, start playing it? He, he doesn't play the cello. Yeah. He'd had one cello lesson and then he tries playing them, right? Yeah. And actually he's not that bad, but he's not <laughs> great, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit like, actually, that doesn't change the cello suites, like, we, we know how to tell the difference between a good performance and a terrible performance yeah. of the same composition and that you don't judge a composition by its worst performance. You judge it by its best one. That's a good... So we think that Jesus wrote this beautiful tune. So mm. on violence, you have kind of... He talks about turning the other cheek, about loving your enemies, mm. about doing good to those who do harm to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he wrote this beautiful tune. And when Christians have listened to him and have kind of played in tune, um, that's actually done these amazing things yeah. in our history. When they've played out of tune, that's been horrific yeah. and discordant. Um, but actually we want to point to the tune and go, okay, go back and measure all the history, that's good. recent and far away, against what Jesus has to say mm. because he's the one that matters. Yep. And we think that his tune is like the most beautiful one ever written. Yeah. I really like that analogy. That's really, really good. Um, I'll back on that then. So what is the actual tune of Jesus when it comes to violence and, and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so those, there's like in the Small question, Mount, which is kind of this famous kind of set of uh, instructions and um, kind of little talks that Jesus gives. Uh, he says this crazy thing, which is, which I, you know, mentioned just now, which is to love your enemies. Um, and particularly in like the context of his hearers, that's insane. Like you love the people who love you. You yeah, need yeah. to look out for your own. Um, your enemies hate you. You need to look out for them and mm. oppose them. He's like, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Turn the other cheek walk the extra mile. Um, and these are things that uh, Christians have kind of um, interpreted in different ways. Mm. Um, I think really interestingly, there's a bunch of recent stuff, um, like secular research. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, for example, you know, I, um, I read a little while ago about uh, this thing in psychology called non-complementary behaviour. So not complementary with an I as in like giving you compliments, yeah. but like non-complementary as in like something yeah. fitting with something else. Yeah. So like most of the time we behave in complementary ways. So if you're like mean to me, I'll be mean to you. And if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Like yeah. That's kind of the natural human thing. Yeah. But non-complementary behaviour, like if you're going to be hostile and angry with me mm. for me to respond warmly and with love and kindness is really really hard for yep. humans to do but it's actually really powerful and it really changes it yeah. changes the possibilities like oh what's for sure between us yeah um and i think uh like so psychology has shown that to be really powerful and effective yeah, and that's okay. what jesus is doing right yeah that's really and cool that's what jesus does to us like we reject god and instead of him rejecting us back, he kind of, he actually comes in grace um, yeah. to rescue us. Like it's, it's, he is non-complimentary. He's non-complimentary. He behaves towards us. That's so cool. Um, and then, you know, even like in historical, you know, and political terms, um, there's some research where you kind of look at this a little bit in the documentary um, by a couple of academics in the U.S., 
about civil resistance, you know, about kind of instead of like when there's an injustice in society, instead of kind of getting a bunch of people together and going to war um, or, you know, starting to like bomb places or whatever. Yeah. Um, things like the civil rights movement in the US in 1950s and 60s, um, where they, it was non-violent resistance. Yeah. Um, that's been shown to be more effective mm. than violent resistance um, to injustice, which, you know, is kind of counterintuitive. Like, yeah. why would that be? Like, <laughs> yep. how can that affect anything? You're just, yep. you know, getting smashed and you're not responding with smashing. Yeah, and how yeah, that yeah. Work? But actually what Jesus is talking about really has an effect on people and changes people's hearts. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive. And you're kind of like, what? why would I do that? But it actually, in practice, makes a lot of sense. And you see a lot of, um, I guess, yeah, the outgoings of that. Uh, people will laugh at this. I always make references back to what I used to do. I used to be a salesperson, but I'd often get really angry people. And uh, and you made me think about it when you were talking about this non-complimentary type thing. And you get angry people and you just start talking to them like a human being and just talk nice and calmly. And like always, pretty much always, they'd, they'd calm down. They'd be like, what? Oh, okay. And then, and then it was all good. Do, yeah. Though, right? Oh, like, for sure. People are angry with me. Yeah. I get angry too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a fine art. No, that's really cool. So that's a, that's a really good way. I like how you say you kind of, you almost be honest about it. You're just like, yeah, I agree with you. That was a horrible time in history. Like that is not, not cool. But then you kind of go, it's just like, just because they've done it, um, they, they were, they kind of almost didn't follow Jesus enough. Uh, I know Dan, Dan Patterson said that in one of his videos on a similar topic to this. And it's like, actually they just didn't follow, they weren't in tune with the original kind of composition, as you would say, quite mm. enough. Um, not that that gives them an excuse. Uh, we say that's still bad. Um, but actually it doesn't discount it and we want to point you to Jesus. So, um, how would you... I know it's a really complicated and, and not a very nice topic, but um, how would you, would you change how you talk to someone when it comes to some of the stuff with like sexual abuse and like those kind of scandals that have come up in, uh, uh, to light in, in the Catholic church, but not only that, in the, in the Protestant church as well. Um, how would you... I, yeah, how would you approach that? Because for me, particularly if you're, I mean, I don't have to make it so specific, but if you're talking to someone that's been a part of that, they don't want to hear the logical reason in my mind. Like, it was a painful time. Oh so, um, yeah, I thought it would be worthwhile asking you um, how you yeah. might navigate that and have given us a little bit of mm. insight into that. Yeah, you know, I, I did so much historical research for the documentary and for the book and so many episodes and so much of the history is so complicated. You're like, oh, well, there's, you know, this terrible thing, but, like, there's also it's way more complicated than people think it is and if you understand it in context. The sexual abuse scandal, um, like the abuse of children within the church in the last several decades... It's one of those things where you're like, there isn't really two sides to this. Like, yeah. this is just unremittingly just... It's horrible. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just terrible. Um, and so against everything that Jesus said about yeah. how you treat vulnerable people, how you yep. treat children, how important children are to him. Yeah. Um, and just the, the layer of spiritual abuse that goes over the like, physical and sexual. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing is just... Um, it's horrible. Yeah, so awful. Yeah. Um, so I, 
certainly I don't think there's any sense in which you should defend anything in that. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, when you're talking with people, I think um, to express some kind of like, oh, it is so awful yeah. as a first resort. And then instead of like talking about what you think or about, you know, like even before we get to what Jesus thinks about that, I would, yeah. I would ask people like, you know, yeah, like what's your um, perspective on this being or like where are you coming from? Yeah, um, yeah. What, because if if someone's like, oh, I read about that in the news and that's what I think all Christians are yeah. like. That's one thing. If someone is like, I've been really deeply hurt by this. Yeah. You want to kind of, you'll talk about that in a different way. Because yeah, that's good. Because you want to listen to them and hear their yeah. story um, and sympathize with them and just be like, I'm really, really sorry that that happened to you or yeah. to someone you love. Um, so I think, yeah, really kind of being like treating people as people. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 100%. Not kind of launching in. But it's really like. It's a tricky Things topic. that Jesus says. You know, I had um, uh, online church this morning. Nice. Um, and the sermon was from Matthew 18 and this passage where Jesus, you know, brings a child into the midst of his disciples and he's like, um, you know, you want to be like this child, um, humble uh, before God. Mm. Uh, and, and they're all about, they're asking about status and greatness and stuff. And he's yeah. like, look at the child. And one of the things he says is like, anyone who causes one of these little ones to stumble like it would be better for them if they were taken out into the sea and like had a millstone like a massive stone that you need yeah. to get or put around their neck like yep. it would be better that that happened than that yeah. they were one of these like jesus yeah. is real strong yeah 100 percent. yeah no that's really good i guess how would you navigate then talking to someone uh you've talked a lot on the person that's experienced it probably which is i think really very valuable but how would you start having a healthy conversation with someone about it who has just kind of caught the one-liner off the news and kind of going oh church has done this therefore jesus isn't great mm. i think i would um uh you know still acknowledge yeah yeah it's really not great and it'd be really good to acknowledge your own like um, like I also am really upset about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and if you're not really upset about it, by the way, then it probably means that you haven't paid attention to the issue. Yeah, so you for sure. Probably do that. Yep. Um, go and read the report, like the um, spotlight thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, report about like it's grueling. It's it's, it's rough. Horrifying. Yep. Um, read the you know recent reports out about like domestic violence and abuse in the church, like these things where vulnerable people who should be cared for and valued and looked after within yeah. Jesus' church have instead been kind of exploited and abused. Yeah. Um, so if we're not upset about that, we probably need to go and do that work. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I think Jesus is really upset about it. And we oh, for sure. Well. Yeah. Um, and then so share that. Be like, hey, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on your side here. Like it's yeah, awful. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you can even go personal from there. Be like... You know that's really challenging for me. Here's why I, why it's not a deal breaker for me with Jesus. Yeah. Yep. And it might be because, you know, here's what Jesus says about it. Actually, Jesus is like these people are religious hypocrites. Yep. And Jesus is like, 
the biggest critic of religious hypocrisy. Yep. <laughs> he hates hypocrisy. You see it all through the Gospels. Yep. So, you know, I'm with Jesus. Yep. He's not like that. Yeah. Or, you know, here's my experience of church and it's actually been so like, yep. you know, we look after each other and that's how it's meant to be or, you yep. know, whatever it is. Like why is it that you personally haven't walked away from the church even though these things have been going on? Um, um, know, yeah. Share that with them. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of bringing in, like you said before, you're going, you're going narrative. You're like, yeah, this is actually the experience I've had, and um, and then also uh, kind of going, this is actually what Jesus shows, and he's the original guy that we are meant to follow. So this, yeah, no, I think that's Be a really honest. Good. Yeah, yeah. Is good. Honesty is great. <laughs> it's so good. Um, that's really, really helpful. Thank you. And um, I kind of wanted to hear just a few little things of, um, I'll leave it up to the, the Q&A for other kind of questions about some of the negative sides of things. But how has, what are some like key things for you um, that have stood out in what Christianity's done quite well? Um, so, you know, it's funny because some of the, like the best and the worst go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. So one of the worst things in history has been to do with slavery. Mm. Like you look at slavery in America in particular was like it was the churches, like the church, the church upheld that and made that possible for so long. Mm. And on the other hand, the abolition of slavery, getting rid of it in yeah. you know like the slave trade in the UK with William Wilberforce and then you know abolitionists. Um, black and white in America, mm. um, it was a Christian thing. It was people yeah. being like, everyone's made in the image of God and it's not okay yep. to own each other. That's, yeah, not, yeah, that's yeah. not a thing. Um, so seeing people, um, yeah, act in a very costly way to themselves yeah. um, for the good of other people. Yeah. Um, and Christians are still doing that, actually. Like, lots of people who aren't Christians are doing it as well, but, like, there are actually more slaves in our world today than there have ever been. Wow. Um, there are, you know, something like International Justice Mission, IJM, are doing mm. this work where they are, you know, Christians out there being like, God sees that person in slavery and he cares and we have to do something about it. So good. Um, and I think, actually, overall... That idea of the image of God, that yeah. every human is made in the image of God, like it sounds like a bit, um, like maybe it's a phrase we're really familiar with. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people are or not. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And it sounds kind of easy to say, yeah. like, oh, you're made in the image of God. Like that is radical. Oh, for sure. The ancient world, like just most people don't matter. They don't matter. They're, expo they're expendable. You can... Yeah. You can leave babies out on a rubbish dump if you don't want them to die. You can, like, rape your slaves. Like, they mm. don't matter. They don't matter. And for Christianity to come along, for Judaism and then Christianity to come along and say every single person is made in the image of God and you can't treat them like they don't matter. Yeah, that has yeah. shaped our society, like, yeah. deeply. Um, even yeah. people who are like, oh, I don't believe in God. You can't be made in the image of God. The reason that we think that every individual matters and yeah. matters equally. Um, and, you know, non-Christian scholars say this. They're like, oh, that's where we get this from. <laughs> yeah. It's from Jesus and yeah. Paul and yeah. the New Testament and the church. Yeah. Can I follow up on that? I'm curious to know with the whole image of God thing. Um, because it's based in, in, in Christianity, in, in the worth that kind of God gives us as individuals, as, that we're all valuable, and that's quite a Judeo 
Christian type thinking. How do you think things are going to go in, I guess, mostly Western societies that are kind of going away from God, um, but somehow still have to keep this philosophy, this way of thinking up? Because in my yeah. mind, if you get rid of the the basis of that image of God, then you kind of kind of just starts to crumble a bit, and then the lines can get a bit blurry. And I I think it's already starting to happen in some ways. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is a live topic um, actually in philosophy now. Is we like the idea of human rights um, and the idea of you know human dignity and every person mattering and being treated with respect. And yeah. it's difficult to actually find philosophical grounding for that all the way down um, if you don't have kind of a God to guarantee that worth yeah, from yeah. the outside. Um, and so it's, you know, it's an important topic. And you can still, like, it's not as though, you know, if you're not a Christian, then you're going to treat people badly. Like, it's yeah, still, yeah. Um, people can choose to believe that humans have value. Yeah. Even if we don't have kind of philosophical grounding for that. But yeah. how long we'll kind of stick with that when the pressure gets put on in various ways? Yeah. Um, is yeah a live question yeah um, and you know there are a lot of like Jürgen Habermas who's a European philosopher atheist mm. um he said that you know basically um all of that comes just from uh Christianity um and everything else is kind of idle postmodern chatter yeah uh, so you know I don't think we have to throw it out yeah yeah um, but yeah, I think it's definitely vulnerable. There's a um, like after World War Two when they um, uh, you get the United Nations Declaration yep. um, of Human Rights. Um, the a bunch of the people who wrote that document were Christians. Um, mm. a guy from Lebanon, a guy from France. Um, but you know, a whole bunch of nations signed it. Yep. And one of them said very like um, insightfully, I think. They were like, we agree on what the rights are, so long as nobody asks us why. Right. Um, because not everybody shared the same, you know, faith or the same reasons yep. for yep. like upholding the rights. And we can we can find different reasons for upholding them, but like, you know, that's that a little bit more volatile. Wanted. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more subject to change when you don't have kind of underlying uh, God behind well, and, it in know, a way. And that being said, like Christians believe in human dignity and human rights and have frequently treated people like they don't know. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, you can yeah. have the underlying thing and still be like, oh, that's inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. Treat people like this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ah. Um, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there at the moment so we can get a little bit of time for Q&A. But thank you so much. That was actually really enlightening, really practical too. So thank you so much, Natasha. And for those of you who are listening to this in the future, uh, if you like this, um, then you're more than welcome to subscribe to us. We're on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube. Uh, it would mean a, a great deal to us because we want to make this available to anyone that will benefit from it. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a five minute break, everyone. You can go get uh, a drink, go to the bathroom, put in your questions, and then we'll be back. <laughs> 